0: Good evening and welcome tonight. We're so thankful that you're here. Just a little while, we'll go downstairs and we'll have some fun together. But right now, we want to study from God's Word. If you have your Bible, you may want to open to the book of Judges, chapter number 16. Judges, chapter 16. And we'll be looking at some things from that chapter tonight. Now, I want to ask you a question as we begin tonight. How many of you have ever had a bad, bad hair day? Now, as I was thinking about this question, I thought about Tommy. You know, I, I look at Tommy and I say, Tommy, he probably doesn't have a bad hair day. And really, I thought about Philip back here, too. And I saw that I'd go ahead and get started, you know, and offend them. So that way we wouldn't have to worry about it at the beginning or the end of the lesson. But you think about the idea of a bad hair day. What do we mean when we're talking about a bad hair day. Now sometimes people mean literally that, they, that their hair is not, uh, uh, not fitted properly, it's not properly coiffed and all that kind of stuff, you know, it just won't act right. But more often today it seems this, this phrase, this idiom, we talked about idioms last week, this idiom that we use in having a bad hair day means that nothing is going right in this day. It seems that, that we can't get things to go our way. And so, as we think about that concept, we could surely say tonight that there was a day in the life of Samson when he had a bad hair day. Now, we began talking about Samson last week, and we want to continue the thoughts in regard to him uh, tonight. But as we think about his bad hair day, we need to remember what happens here in the book of Judges, chapter number 16, he finds a woman that lulls him to sleep, and after lulling him to sleep on her lap, she has some man come in and shave Samson's head, and then she wakens uh, Samson, and he determines he's going to go out and drive the Philistines away as he had done so often before. But he finds this time things are different. In Judges chapter 16 at verse 21, the Bible says, And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. You see, the strong man on this occasion did not have the strength to go out and drive his enemies away. In fact, he didn't have the strength to... Not only to not drive them away, but to protect himself. And so, some of the most horrible things that you can imagine the the gouging out of the eyes of this man takes place. And his freedom is taken away. And he is caused to go down and caused to have to work, have to labor. And this is not something in turning the meal. It wasn't something that a human being generally would do. Uh, they would have a horse that would do those kinds of things, but Samson becomes the workhorse. And so as we look at him, certainly he is having what we would call a bad hair day. Now I want us to think about for just a moment the agent of Samson's anguish the thing or the one who brought that on him and the things that are connected with her. In the book of Judges, we back up now in the chapter and go back to verse number 4. And here's where the Bible says this, After this he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Let's talk about this valley of Sorek for just a moment. I looked it up on a map, and I know you can't really see a whole lot, on this map the way it is right now but if you look over here on on the right hand side of the map as you're facing it there you'll see two little arrows one of them points toward Jerusalem the other one points toward Bethlehem and then you'll see on the map a a box the red box that's up there in that red box is the area that we're talking about so we're looking at a place a a, a part of the country that is west and some little bit south, if you will, of Jerusalem. It's on over toward the Mediterranean Sea. Now, I took that little square and I blew it up a little bit there, and if you'll notice, there are some things that are found in this. I have some cities that are highlighted, some towns. The first one is Zora. <coughs> Zora is the hometown of Samson. We find Manoah being a man of Zorah, and so this is where Samson grew up. This is his home. I also highlighted another town that we've talked about last week the town of Timnah. That's where he went down and saw this woman that he wanted to marry, and all of the things that we dealt with last week took place in that location. But you also see that I've sort of highlighted, and there's a river that runs down that, uh, that direction, and you see the black line running pretty much through the middle. But that, in between those two mountainous areas of Zora and the one just below that, and those mountains over toward Timna, that's the valley of Sorek. And so when the Bible says that Samson went down to the valley of Sorek and saw this woman there that he loved, he wasn't far from home. He wasn't in, in his home village, but he wasn't far away from it. I found this picture online, and somebody just happened to hold up the, uh, written on the uh, piece of paper, they took a picture, and they took a picture of the valley of Sorek. And you can notice back in the background that there are now some modern day buildings and different kinds of things that are back there still inhabited down in that region. But it's just interesting to me to get to look and to see some of these places that are mentioned in the Word of God. But that's where Samson went down and found this woman that he loved. The Bible speaks about this woman here being from this particular location. Now as we think about where this particular place is, we want to understand that this area where Samson uh, has found this woman it is not in control, if you will, of the Israelites, but that's in the territory that they should have taken to begin with, but didn't. That was still controlled, and even though at this time the children of Israel were being controlled by the Philistines, this is in the territory that was being controlled by the Philistines. And so people who lived there, many of them uh, at that time, were Philistine people. Now, I want us also to remember what the Bible says in regard to this woman. The Bible says that Samson loved a woman that he found here in this valley. This is the first time in Scripture that we find that the Bible says about Samson that he loved a woman. Back in Judges chapter 14, when he went down to Timna, that other city that I had highlighted up there, the Bible says he saw a woman that he wanted to be his wife. We talked about it last week. He probably hadn't even had a conversation with her. He just saw the woman that he wanted to be his wife. In Judges chapter 16 at verse number 1, we find again Samson going down to Gaza and there the Bible says in verse 1, he saw a prostitute and went into her. And of course we see him uh, fornicating with her, the, the Bible being spo- uh, speaking about that. And so the first two times that we see Samson dealing with women, the Bible simply says that he saw, saw one of the daughters of the Philistines and he saw a prostitute. Now with a woman in Timnah, he sought to marry her. With the woman, the the prostitute in Gaza, Samson simply fornicated with her. But the text, as we continue thinking about Samson and the woman that's mentioned here later on in Judges chapter 16, does not say that Samson married Delilah. The text simply says that he loved her. Now we're left with the implication, it seems, that Samson was likely just what we would call, in years gone by, shacking up with Delilah. You see, his own moral character was not what it should be. We talked about that last week. And we see, you know, from the marriage, to the prostitute, to now, it just seems that he loved this woman... But nothing is said in regard to a wedding ever taking place. Well, that doesn't make it right, does it? Uh, it doesn't make us want to imitate Samson, or at least we shouldn't want to imitate him, because it really didn't work out all that well for him, did it? And if we carry things to their ultimate end, if we go about our life like Samson went about his things won't end up well for us either. And so as we look at it, we find that the Bible says he loved her, but think about Delilah the woman. Nothing is ever said about Delilah loving Samson in return. And when we think about the actions that she took against him, The argument is made that really and truly she didn't love him, she used him. And again, we could talk about tonight, you know, some characteristics of things that happen in those ways. But it just wasn't good. In Judges chapter 16, verse number 5, the Bible speaks about this woman whose name was Delilah. And as we think about the woman whose name was Delilah, according to Kyle and Delitch in their commentaries, they say that the name means the weak or the pining one. It seems that they come to this woman in verse number five, who very likely was a Philistine. And we just have to stop and ask what is it with Samson and the Philistine women? The woman at Timnah was a Philistine. The woman at Gaza was a Philistine. And now it seems that Delilah also is a Philistine. Now we can't say with certainty that she was a prostitute like the one woman in Gaza. One thing we can say is she was a mercenary. She became a secret agent for the Philistines. She was used by them... And she used Samson's love for her as a weapon with which to extract information in order to get to the secret of his strength. Now looking at verse 5 of Judges chapter 16, the Bible says, The lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him, and see where his great strength lies. By what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. They come and they make a proposition, if you will, to her. Now how much was Delilah going to get from these lords of the Philistines? Let's analyze that for a minute. If you go back to the book of Judges chapter 3 at verse number 3, you're going to find the number of the lords of the Philistines. In Judges chapter 3, at verse 3, the Bible informs us that there are five lords of the Philistines. Now the Bible here just says the lords of the Philistines came up to her, but according to Judges 3, verse 3, there are five lords of the Philistines, five of those who ruled there in those particular cities. The Bible says here that Those lords of the Philistines came up to her and they offered her some money. 1,100 pieces of silver each. Somebody says, well, why did they offer her 1,100? That's a strange number, and I don't know that I can answer that, except for the fact that they were offering her a generous amount and by looking at it from the standpoint of being 1,100, they were offering her an overly generous amount to try to, to, to conquer this man who was such a thorn in their flesh, who, who was fighting against them and was defeating them at every turn. And, and they may have recognized that there were possibly could be some danger involved to her and so they're, they're paying her, and they're paying her well. But as we look at it, and we continue to analyze it there, when the Bible says that they said they would give her 1,100 pieces of silver each, the standard measure of money at that time was what we would call a shekel. And when we're thinking about shekels, <coughs> generally speaking, in round numbers, the shekel, each one, contained about 16 grams of of silver, And so they're giving her these silver pieces, these, this, this money, and each one contained about 16 grams of silver. Now there would have been 5,500 of them because five lords and 1,100 each according to verse number 5. There would have been 5,500 of them times 16 grams, which means we're in math class now there were about 88,000 grams of silver that they were giving her. Now, this past Thursday, I decided to look up the price of silver for a gram, and it's not very high, comparatively speaking, right now. The highest that silver has ever been was, I think, $49. But now it's 51 cents a gram. But with 88,000 of them, on Thursday, she would have been paid... Something like $44,800 to betray Samson, to get his secret. Now compare that with what Judas did. When Judas betrayed our Lord, he got 30 pieces of silver. She got 5,500 pieces of silver. You know, Sam, I mean rather, Judas got, got a bad deal, didn't he? compared to Samson and Delilah. But you know what? Even with getting $44,800, that's in our money, that's in our, our standard of trade today, she didn't get a good deal either. And Samson sort of got betrayed for, that was a bunch of money at that time, but Samson got betrayed by her for just peanuts, if you will. Eighty-eight thousand grams. Forty-four thousand, eight hundred dollars. For that, the lords of the Philistines wanted her to seduce Samson. You know, that's not the only time that the Bible says Samson was seduced. In the book of Judges, chapter 14, verse 15, you know, that word seduce sounds really sultry, I guess you might say. Like there's something that, that, that is really, you know, uh, sort of out of the way. And, and Delilah gets the name of being, you know, this seductress, and still today is synonymous with it. But do you remember back in the book of Judges, chapter 14, at verse 15, when the men came to the woman that he was marrying, what they said to her? Oh, the English Standard Version translates it a different way. It's the same word, though. They wanted her, the, the woman at Timna, to entice your husband to tell us. Same word that's used in regard to this woman, Delilah. Seduce him, entice him. Samson was a weak man, it seems. But I thought, preacher, he was the strong man. Oh yeah, he was strong in might, power. But he has a weakness, and it seems to be women, at least one of them. But you know what? He's not the only one. In the book of Proverbs chapter 7, beginning at verse 21, look at these words. With much seductive speech she persuades him. Now this is the wise man giving some advice to his son about the woman or a woman Basically a, an adulterous woman that he would meet out on the street corner and, and how he's telling him to watch out for her. But notice what he says. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. That sort of sums up what's happening to Solomon. I mean to Samson rather. Happened to Solomon too, but It sums up what's happening to Samson. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushed into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Wow, what true words could be said about Samson. Now he's not, Solomon's not necessarily writing about Samson, just a bunch of folks who get caught up in the same way that Samson did. Does not know that it will cost him his life. Eventually it's going to cost Samson his life. The wise man goes on and says in Proverbs chapter 7 verse 24, And now, oh sons, listen to me, be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low. And all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. Again, as you contemplate what is said here in Proverbs chapter 7, 21 through 27, you can just see Samson. You can just see what happened to him. Did his heart turn aside to her? Notice verse 25. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Did Samson's heart turn aside to Delilah's ways? She is the first woman that the Bible says Samson loved. Samson loved her. And this scheming, conniving, money-hungry woman led Samson to his captivity and literally to his death. As you look at it, we have her being that agent in the downfall of Samson. Now, think about for just a few moments tonight... Delilah's attempts to determine the source of Samson's strength. She kept asking him. Now we're not going to take time for the sake of time tonight to read through each one of these, but Samson begins to tell her. She she begins to try to seduce him to persuade him to be to give her the secret. First thing that Samson tells her to do is to do this, bind me with seven fresh bowstrings. Which well, translated in the English Standard Version, bind me with seven fresh bowstrings. Now, I couldn't help but wonder, what do you mean, Samson, by binding me with seven fresh bowstrings? So I began to do some research, and here's what I found. Sometimes when they were talking about the bowstrings, they were talking about, green stalks and and the tendrils of vines you know the uh, those those vines that grow that were wound together to make somewhat of a rope but there are some sources that say that the word means something more like twisted gut And, and if you begin to to study you know you might find something like cat gut now cat gut is not normally made out of cats but it is made out of the intestines of goats and cattle and hogs and horses and mules and donkeys. Whatever it was, Samson said it had to be fresh, had to be new, couldn't be used before. And so as you look at it and you think about it, he said, Well, if you'll take seven of those and tie me up, my strength will be gone. Guess what? Or oh, you know what? Delilah did it. And then she called the Philistines and says, we got him. She wakes up, Samson and says, the Philistines are outside. What does Samson do? Samson gets up and runs out to the Philistines. The Bible says those fresh bowstrings, they snapped as though it was flax at a fire. An old dried up piece of grass that touches fire. They didn't hold him. It wasn't anything to do with that. Well, she wasn't satisfied. She still wanted her $44,800. And so she tries again. Samson, tell me again. He says, well, bind me with new ropes. If you bind me with new ropes, said, My, I, I won't be able to have any strength whatsoever. I'll be like a regular man. You know, the Philistines they were not real sharp sometimes because that had already been tried. And yet they wanted to try it again and so does Delilah. If you go back, and we didn't study this together, but if you go back into chapter number 15, the people of Israel took two new ropes and they bound Samson. And it didn't do any good. He broke them killed a thousand of the Philistines that day with the jawbone of a donkey. Didn't do any good. But they tried. He tells Delilah that. She tries it. She wakes him up. The Philistines are outside. He gets up. He snaps those things like they're nothing. The power wasn't in the ropes. Well, she's not satisfied either. So she tries again. Boo-hooing, doing all of this, you know, trying to get Samson. Samson says, if you'll take my long hair and weave it, and if you read the des- description, it sounds sort of confusing. Basically, he says, if you'll take my long hair and weave it into a weaving loom, then I'll not be able to be strong. Now, he's getting closer, isn't he? He got to the hair part, didn't he? Well, she did it, and she pinned it down with a pin, the Bible says. She evidently took the weaving loom and drove it into the ground or pinned it down to the ground with a tent peg so that it would be there. Did the same thing about the Philistines, and what happens? Samson jumps up and drags the whole thing out with him and runs the Philistines off. Still haven't earned her $44,000 and so she goes back again and literally Samson gets worn down she keeps on and on and on until Samson gets worn down look at verses 15 and 16 she said to him how can you say I love you evidently Samson had told her honey I love you How can you say I love you when your heart's not with me? Do you remember what the seductress proverb said? Don't let your heart get turned to her. She's accusing him of saying he loves her, but your heart's not with me. Samson's going to prove his heart's with her. She's got his attention. When your heart's not with me. You've mocked me these three times. Now let's stop right there for a minute. I'm not smart. But if I told Marlene three times, you know, these, these different things, and I woke up three times, and those three things have happened to him, and that's the only three, she's the only person I've told, and the Philistines are actually standing out there waiting to catch me, I think I might catch on. Unless you're blinded by love. Or should we say in Samson's case, infatuation. I'm not sure that Samson really knew what love truly was. I think he was thinking with other parts of his body rather than with what God truly gave him to think with. These three times, you've mocked me. You haven't told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Let's start at the end of that because that's the point that I started to make. She wore him down to the point that his so... You know, he probably did have some feelings for her, at least on some level. And, and he's hearing these words come out of her mouth, and she eventually wears him down. Just like a young man might sometimes do with a young lady who is trying to convince her to have a relationship with him that is not the way it should be until he eventually wears her down. You know, there are a number of things that we could, illustrations that we could give, but hopefully you'll use your own imagination and your own mind tonight to understand what's happening here. Samson just gets worn down. His soul was vexed to death. Now, why was it? Well, look at some of the things that the Bible says. She said, you don't really love me. The Bible says, she pressed him hard. The word pressed there means to oppress, to compel. Now listen to this one. This is, this is literally from the definition of the word. To oppress, to compel. To nag, she nagged him every day about the strength. She urged another word that I have highlighted up there. She urged. That word literally means to prod, pressing one object against hard against another. And it's this is this word is used one time in the Bible. Right here. She urged him. She prodded him. And she did that day after day. How long were they together? Don't know. They were together long enough for the Philistine leaders, those lords, to know that something was going on between Samson and Delilah for them to come and to approach her. And even after that, and they make their proposal to her, she keeps on. Something going on every day, day after day, she's trying to get his secret. Urging him, prodding him, until he's just worn down. Again, folks, that's really and truly the way sin is, isn't it? Sometimes we just get worn out of fighting. And finally, he tells her, and she betrays him. Was well, Samson's some strength really in his hair? We know the story, don't we? Was the strength really in his hair? Judges chapter 16 at verse 19. She made him sleep on her knees. She called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him. That's an interesting word within itself. She began to torment him, and his strength left him. Was the strength really in the hair? They shaved off the seven locks. Seemingly, they shaved him bald. Was the strength really in the hair? Look at verse 20. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. He awoke from his sleep. I'll go out at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that his strength had left him. Oh, that's not exactly what it says, but we know the source. He did not know that the Lord had left him. You don't believe Samson's strength was really in his hair. Samson's strength was really in his Lord. That brings me to the question tonight, why did the Lord leave him? Why did the Lord leave Samson? It's what the Bible says happened to him. 21, he gets captured, his eyes gouged out, made to turn the meal. Why did the Lord leave him? After the hair was shaved off. You remember something we began talking about last week? Actually two weeks ago when the birth announcement was made, you're going to have a baby? Samson was to be a Nazarite from birth. Right? Back there in chapter 14. But in Numbers chapter 6, we know the law that God had laid out. Going to Numbers 6 at verse 6, the Bible says, All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near to a dead body. You remember us last week talking about Samson killing a lion? And then going back sometime later and scraping out some honey where some bees had built their hive? He touched a dead body. Did Samson ever get that straightened out? Did he ever go through the ceremonial rites that would cleanse him? Best we can tell, no. He wanted to go down and get married. He wasn't worried about it. Numbers chapter 6, verse 3. We back up a few verses in that same chapter. According to what Moses was told regarding the Nazarites, God said, He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink, and he shall not drink any juice of grapes, or eat grapes, or fresh or dried. You remember last week what Samson did when we talked about his wife and his marriage down at Timnah? The Bible said that he made a great feast. The word used there usually refers to a drinking feast. He made that for the Philistines at his wedding. Seems quite obvious from the text and the context. Samson was participating in that great feast. Something that even his mother had been told that he wasn't to do, whether it was, a, whether it was a, an alcoholic feast or just they had some good grape juice. Samson was still violating his Nazarite vow. Back to Numbers chapter 6, verse number 5. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head. Until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord, he shall be holy. He shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow long. When you read in the book of Numbers chapter 6, there are basically three things laid out for the Nazarite. And now with the shaving of his head, Samson had broken all three things necessary to being a Nazarite. Samson has violated all of the things that showed his separation to the Lord. And as a result of his sin, just like ours, Samson had separated himself from the Lord. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2 and hence through those sins through that character that, of Samson that wasn't a good one the Lord has left him and when the Lord left the Lord removed the blessing that he had given him what a sad day when Samson was having that bad hair day. But look at verse 22. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. You know, if you don't read it exactly right, you'll find or begin perhaps to think that, well, his hair begins to grow, and so he begins to get stronger. The longer his hair gets, the stronger he gets, and so he must have been able to turn that meal, you know, better. It's not what the Bible says. Not at all. But the hair of his head began to grow again after he had been shaved. What what seems to be happening here? Well, it's probable that as he sat blinded at night, Reflecting as he turned that meal during the day, as he reflected on all that he had done and the folly that he had gotten himself into, he probably became a very sincere, penitent person. You see, Samson changes his mind. And renews, evidently, his Nazarite vow. And his hair grew together with his repentance to the Lord. You drop on down to verse number 28. Look at the first part of that verse before you get caught up in the rest of it. Then Samson called to the Lord. Where else do you see that? Only one other time, found in chapter 15, after after Samson slays the thousand men. First time we have him praying in a long, long time. Should have been talking to God about his relationship with Delilah. Never told that. See, it's hard to pray to God for a sinful relationship. Not that he, He's not wanting to change it. But now, day after day, in this situation, he calls on the Lord. He calls on the Lord. He said, please remember me. Please strengthen me. Only this once. Strength hadn't returned yet. His hair is growing out, but he's just like a regular old man. Please remember me only this once, O oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. You know, it sort of sounds like Samson is a vengeful person. Perhaps he's a lot like what we read in the book of Je- uh, Jeremiah. Chapter 15 at verse 15. When we have Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, one of God's men, making this statement, O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me, and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Samson one-ups Jeremiah. Jeremiah would come later. But when Samson prays, he doesn't ask God to spare him. He goes on and says, let me die with them. Let me die with him. What was Samson's purpose in life? Foretold by God before he was ever born, he will begin... To deliver his people from the Philistines. Again, if you read the chapter here, you'll find that the lords of the Philistines, five of them, were gathered together in this sort of an amphitheater kind of place. The best way we can tell it, they were there together. They were the ones who had paid to have his eye, uh, pay him, uh, paid Delilah to get his secret. They were the ones who had his eyes gouged out. They were the ones who had been oppressing. Israel for so long, Samson prays to God that these ungodly, blasphemous, you see, even in this gathering, they're talking about how their God is stronger than the God of Samson. Take vengeance, God. They deserved to die long before Samson ever came on the scene. Their sins had, had grown to, to very ripe when the children of Israel entered the promised land. But They didn't take them. God, let's do what you sent me to do. You remember the rest of the story. They led him up. They were making fun of him. Young man led him up, placed his arms on the pillars. Samson received his strength back from God. And God, watch this, accomplished what God wanted done through Samson. Remember we used the word unconventionally last time? Unconventional way of doing it, you got this baby that's going to be born to begin to deliver. Samson goes about it by unconventional means and God now. Rather than sending a great army overthrows the lords of the Philistines. Do you have a Delilah in your life? Our time is past tonight. You may have one. What's your Delilah? It may not be a person. may just be a besetting sin, one that you keep going back to, like Samson kept going back to Delilah. Let me point out that your Delilah will control you. Your Delilah will confuse you. And your Delilah will cripple you just as Samson was crippled. One writer said Samson was infatuated with Delilah, wasn't thinking straight. Rather than break his relationship with Delilah, he allowed it to break him. You know, we can only ask, what if Samson had more closely aligned himself with God? God had simply told his mother that he will begin to deliver my people. He wouldn't get it completely done. But what if Samson had more closely aligned his life with what God wanted him to do or wanted him to be. What could he have done? But more to the point, we have to ask ourselves is our life aligned with God? Maybe you're here tonight and you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ.
1: You're not aligned with me. You.
0: you can be before you leave this place. Maybe you're here tonight and in the past you become a Christian, but maybe you just haven't been living like one. And you can leave this place with your life aligned with God yet again. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation for any reason tonight, why don't you do it? Right, now?